Good day, Internets. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and that is the one and only Prince Paul. Oh, yeah, I'm with this. <laughs> you got a new one for y'all. And this is What Had Happened Was. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Open Mike Eagle recording live from the Internet. Y'all know me, though. Y'all heard my voice for a long, long time. So this time I'm coming back at you, but I'm not coming alone. The Black Prince? Could I be right? I brought the legendary Prince Poo-Poo-Poo-Poo. Is that world-famous disc jock, inventor of the skit and hip-hop, and damn, we won a Grammy with Chris Rock, yeah. Motherfucking yacht, sailing down a motherfucking harbor, right? Chilling down a motherfucking I interviewed the man from here in computer land. I'm asking him questions on behalf of the super fans, yeah. Because I'm one, and the answers are for everybody. He got stories, so I asked for one. We having fun and laughs, cause he has a ton, yeah. And like that, a podcast begun, cause he answered, well, what had happened was. You know what had happened was we take deep dives, snapshots mm. into the career. Of the one and only doodoo man himself. The doodoo man. Uh, uh, uh. Mr. Prince Paul. How you doing today, Paul? Sacre bleu. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. Cussing in French? Hey, man, you know, it worked for Pepe Le Pew. It did. No, well, don't, you don't want to, he got me too, the hardest. <laughs> you really, you don't want to go. No, that wasn't Pepe Le Pew. Who said sacre bleu? Sacre bleu. Oh, well, anyway, keep going. Napoleon. But Napoleon. he wasn't a cartoon. I That's know. right. Sacre bleu. I went, yo, <laughs> quickly off topic, I went to France. I'm oh, like, no, well, just go off topic as much as you want today. <laughs> Our topic is a little loose. I went out there because I, I work with this French group called Alliance Ethnique. And I was asking, I was like, what does sacre bleu mean? And they were like, sacre bleu? And they're talking about sacre bleu. It's uh, old French. Uh, <laughs> 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 Apparently, they couldn't answer my question. <laughs> it means something blue, though. It literally means something blue, like blue sacred or some shit like that. Blue blood. Well, he was like, I, like I was know. dumb. Yeah, I was like, uh, all right. Stupid American. Hey, you know, it's okay. We can be dumb. But we're just we asking questions, though. Yeah. That's better than the dumb Americans who act like they know every damn thing. Yeah, man, I wanted to learn. You yeah, know? that's how you learn. And we're going to learn today. <laughs> Segway was amazing. That was. About a few different artists you work with. Where usually we take a ride on a deep dive of like one album or project or one artist you work with. This time we're going to split it up a little bit and talk about some people you didn't work with a ton. Whoa. But the things that you did do with them was very notable. So this is all Lucy's episode. Lucy. 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 I remember Lucy. The first act I wanted to talk about was a little group called... Third base. Wow, third base. Third base. MC Search and Pete Nice. Pete Nice. I Prime Pete Minister nice. Pete Nice. I saw him recently. Actually. Yeah? Yeah, man. How's Pete Nice doing these he's, days? He's doing good. I know he's, he said he's working on a book. I didn't even know it was him. I was at Penn Station. I was like, who's this weird guy looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> and he kept looking. He's like, hey, Paul. That's like, Pete? Wow. He wasn't <laughs> on the throne. He'd be hard to recognize. <laughs> you know. And he didn't have the cane. Right. You know. And you got to add 30 years to him, too, <laughs> to both of us, actually. So how did you meet Third Base in the first place? That rhymed. Rush was my management, which mm-hmm. is Russell Simmons, Leo Cohen, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And Third Base had just signed with Def Jam. Mm-hmm. And what I can remember is 
my management at the time was like, there's this group third base that we just signed, which is MC Search. And, you know, he has a, a guy rhyming with Pete Nice. I didn't know who Pete Nice was. And Daddy Rich is their DJ. They want to know if you produce a song for them. Now, was, you did know who MC Search was already? Yeah, I knew of him. Why did you know of MC Search? Like, who didn't know Search? I, <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm from old school from the East oh, Coast. I didn't know Search had a career before third base. Or well, he I, was didn't, known. I, didn't, I didn't know of his career. Okay. But you got to keep in mind how many white MCs were there back then. That's what I'm wanting to know. So, so you know, yeah. he, he, he stood out. You okay. know what I'm saying? So, you know, like I said, I knew of him. I can't say for years. You okay. know, it was like probably within that year radius. His gotcha. name came up a few times. And I've seen his face. And so at some point, I seen Search at, uh, seen Search. <laughs> that didn't even sound right. I had a meetup with Search at Rush Management at the office. And he's like, yo, we want to work on some songs with you. They actually wanted to do more than two because they said they had another producer, Sam Sever, mm-hmm. was producing, was really dope. Uh, producer had Downtown Science group that was signed to Def Jam okay. as well. And the Bomb Squad, oh, which wow. did Step Into the AM. He wants you to produce some songs. I was like, because I'm busy at this point, because I'm kind of like, you know, I had Three Feet High and Rising and everybody's now, calling me. Three Feet High and Rising was out at this point. Yeah, okay. it was definitely out. This is probably like 89, I'm thinking, 89, 90, 89. 89 is when the song comes out. Yeah, 89. There you go. I'm like, yeah, and I could do two songs for you. But the thing then, how I was, and, and this is me being aggressive and assertive, me knowing what I want to do. Now I got, I have a little confidence book, because I now have a, a record that's hitting. I'm like, I know the exact two songs I want y'all to do. There's no beat tape. Mm-hmm. There's no like, here, pick these songs. I know exactly. It's going to be this and this. So and, you brought them two beats like, it'll be these two. Yeah. And all I need, the conversation with Search that I had up at Rush, which I should have mentioned, is he's like, yo, we want to do one whatever song. And one song is going to be like our buddy, you know, saying that he wants a song that it's not just going to be him and Pete Rhyme. What? We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. But like a posse cut. Yeah, posse cut. But they didn't have a posse. 
No. Well, the, po- <laughs> the posse turned out to be Doom. Right. So I was like, cool. And I had that Doom, 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 for Gas Face. I was like, yo, that would work good. And then I was thinking, now Tommy Boy has me thinking radio. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Brooklyn, Queens. That's the populist emotions. Yeah, I could use that. That's going to be my underground song and my radio. I got exactly what you guys need. I had the cigar. Hey, guys, <laughs> got exactly what you need. And I gave them those two songs. And yeah, it, it worked out. The one that's probably most notable, both songs are dope, but like the one that to me, I still hear every now and then to this day is the gas face. The gas face. The gas face was a phenomenon. Yeah. Thanks to Search and Pete, because I, when Search told me, he's like, I was like, so what's the name of the song? It's the gas face. I'm like, gas face. Like, what's that? You know, when you're just, ah! and I'm like, all right. <laughs> so it was like, I and people started doing it. I, you know, I, I didn't know. But it, it, I was like, cool, I just want to make a record. Did they tell you what it meant to do the gas face? Yeah, they kind of explained it along with, I, you know, the demonstration of the face. Right. And it was like, yeah, you know, when you just, you know, when you just got to dismiss somebody or whatever, they do whatever, you give them the gas face or something's whack, you give them the gas face. I'm like, all right. Like, I'm not trying to dismiss it, but I was like, I just want to make the, I say, right. I just want to make the record. <laughs> you, know what I'm saying? you said people started doing the gas face to you out in public. Yeah. Like after the record came out, Prince Paul gas face. <gasps> I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> I'm, I'm with a lady. <laughs> She's right here. You know, thanks, you know, for knowing who I am. It makes me look kind of cool, but that's <laughs> not appropriate at this given moment. And you touched on him being white rappers. Was he the first white rappers you had worked with? Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. Oh, so I think cares one. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But I never, you know, even though they were white rappers, that wasn't like the first thing I thought. It was like, these right. are white rappers. And my approach is different or uh, how we talk. To me, I was just all about the music. It's like, okay. I hear what you guys do. My job is to give you a dope song and to make you sound dope and to, you know, obviously make you as an artist happy with my work, mm-hmm. you know. And that that to me was the bottom line. Radio record, underground record. And apparently the Gas Face B started out as a mistake. Yeah, I have this drum machine, which I still have to this day, and which was not this particular drum machine, but the same model drum machine was used for some of the De La stuff, and it's called a Casio RZ1. Mm. And it has four sample pads, but you can't truncate, you know, like you could just take and chop off the top and the big end of a sample and kind of get the right sweet get spot. Get the right loop. Well, the Casio RZ1, you hit the sample button and whatever you get is what you get. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no the beginning, the end or whatever. So when I sampled a kick one time, I got the snare that followed. So I went, Poo-tick. yeah, Poo-tick. yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh man, I got to do this over. And for some reason I hit the play by accident and went, Poo-tick. I was like, this is different. I don't feel like changing. I'll change the, the beat tomorrow. I'll just lay it down on this tape. Because I, I had a little four track at the house. That's how I demoed it up. And I had the um the Think Loop, the Aretha Franklin Loop, and uh, the Emotions and stuff. And I had it all put together on the four tracks. And then when, you know how, you ever make something and when you work on it for a while, you kind of just get, eh. But the next day you play, go, whoa. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it hits you a little different. You know, I was about to race this. And I listened to it. I was like, yo, this works. And then when I gave it to them, you know, I was like, yeah, I'll probably have to change the beat. And and they're like, no, no, keep it. Hmm. And 
that's how that came about. And I was like, whoa, I was really proud of myself, you know. Old technology is great. Let's listen to a little bit of the gas face right now. For the Prime Minister. It's funny now because now that you say that, I can hear yeah, hit a that, that little bit of a stutter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that you, that, you know, I'm thinking it's just like just some way you stuttered the snare, but no, I can hear, oh, it's a little accident of getting the next snare in the kick. Wow. Yeah, that that was the whole thing. And, and to add Newkirk is on there, my boy Newkirk. Exactly. And I was going to ask you about him because, you know, if you follow Prince Paul's career like I have, it is not very often you have a project that Newkirk isn't a part of. Yeah, I've known Newkirk, uh, Donald Newkirk, a.k.a. Kid Wonder. That's how I met him, as Kid Wonder. Mm. I've known him since I was 14. And he's one of those kids that came to school from the Bronx. Mm-hmm. I'm from the Bronx. You know, Bronx is home of hip-hop. So he had a little arrogance about him. And I'm the corny DJ from Long Island that he moved. Yo, who's the best DJ? DJ Paul. With a name like DJ Paul, he has to be a duck. You know, <laughs> I'm using old slang. He's a duck kid. You know, and uh, he's a sucker. He's a sucker, man. You know, and he come to find out that I was pretty nice, and I come to find out he was skillful too. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like uh, Reese's. You know, it's like, hey, peanut butter chocolate. Yeah, let's make it work. <laughs> but he's, you know, so you met him as an MC. Yeah, but he has. A pretty varied skill set because you've used them all kind of ways. Oh man, all my friends to me are entertaining in different ways, mm-hmm. and I, if I can find a place to use them, I use them. Newkirk, for us being friends for so long, I think he's funny. Mm-hmm. I know he can do those. Hey, you know, whatever the voice the is, announcer voice. Yeah. yeah, he's a great music arranger. You know, as far as like arranging music, and you know, well, I think it's in the G flat chord. He, he could figure it all out. He plays keys by ear. He's just multi talented. He sings. He raps. So, you know, it's kind of easy, like, if I'm sitting and thinking of something, because usually my projects will embody at least one of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Newkirk, why don't you come in and, you know, yeah, man. So, Search introduces him as label mate Newkirk. Yes. I got Newkirk, hooked him up with Russell Simmons, mm-hmm. and Russell signed him to RAL, which is Rush Associated Labels back then. And he had an album called Funk City that was on RAL, and it was probably around 90, I'm guessing. Around that time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Newkirk doesn't do music for a living, right? I guess yes and no. Okay. You know, I think he, he does other things, but he's just always done music. Word. Yeah. So at the end of this song, one of the things they do is they have this gas face, right? Right. And it's... Right? <laughs> you do it way better than I do. Well, it hurts, so I'm not going to do it a lot. <laughs> my glass is shaking around in my head, which is something you do with disdain to people that you don't like or you don't approve of. So they have this long list at the end of the song of, like, people who get the gas face. And they make... Um, a big to-do about giving the gas face to Hammer. Oh, yeah. Hammer didn't like that at all. Oh. Hammer apparently had a hit out on them. <laughs> yeah, I heard. Hammer, <laughs> Hammer was going to have them killed because <laughs> Hammer was from Oakland and they didn't play. Oh, no, they don't play that. And, and they wasn't really like, to them, dissing somebody on record wasn't a funny thing or a game or something. You just hit them back. You know, and plus, you know, Hammer wasn't a rapper like that either, you know. So there was, like, serious beef that came out of this because they really dissed Hammer. Like, yeah, but, but it wasn't based on the gas face. 
they did have one the gas face, but it, it was there was a song that Pete Knight said. I forgot the cactus turned Hammer's mother out. Right, that was what you know. You're right because that's that's why Hammer was off. mad because he because they talked about his they said something about his mom. Yeah, but it was like a play on words, like a hip hop thing. Hammer had that turn his mother out, yeah. and it's like the cactus turned Hammer's mother out, and mm-hmm. so it just like oh, and that. Dang. The gas face just like probably just like yeah whatever right. you know it just added a little bit to it yeah but yeah then you compile all that together woo right so glad I was in the middle of that and and I'm that's what I was about to ask you as the producer that is on the song with them dissing people did anybody that they diss get mad at you will have something to say to oh, you no, about not it? at all I didn't hear anything no backlash you know since then on social media maybe once or twice and I'll, you know I've said something to Hammer or something, you know, comment or something, and he said something nice back. Oh, know. that's cool. Yeah, that was cool. And and I, I went on the road with him when I was in Stetson Sonic. Oh, wow. Um, You know, oh, man, those Oak Town 357 girls dissed me. Oh, they God. dissed you? The Juicy girls dissed you? Ooh, they dissed me. Juicy got them crazy. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. All yeah. Um, we were on the road. And just politely, I wasn't trying to kick it or nothing. I'm a little nerdy kid. I was like, man, great show. That mm. <laughs> Cole dissed me. You should have like, mm. had China and Jet diss him is what you should have did. <laughs> well, I didn't have him back then. I yes. see. <laughs> this is pre those days. Right, right. I was getting dissed a lot back then. Trust me. Who else dissed you? Them JJ Fad girls. They all the, the girl groups dissed oh, you? Oh, man. I remember I was making, I started to make Three Feet High Rise, mm-hmm. and I was on the road. We did this song on Three Feet High Rise called De La Cratic, yeah, which is a spinoff of Supersonic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. You know what I'm saying? So I was trying to tell them, and I was like, hey, you know, really love the show, da da da. You know, I'm doing this working group called De La Soul, and they're like, mm. same thing, just, mm. it, it was like, okay, little boy. And it was like, kind of pushed me out the way. And the only one who would sit and talk to me for two seconds and humored me was, the younger one did okay. the beatbox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she, she was nice enough to go. Really? Uh, it's like yeah, it's called De La Cratic. You know, I'm like I'm like a geeky kid. You gotta hear it. And they're like, yeah, all right. But the other ones had nothing. They even look at. They just cutting eyes and sucking teeth. I was like, I can't, I'm just trying to explain something. I don't I don't want anything from you. <laughs> oh, gee, times were different. <laughs> so they just hammer at the end of the song, and they also dissed Leo Cohen. They said Leo Cohen, the executive for Def Jam, gets the gas face. Now, Leo was managing you at the time. Yeah, and uh, managing them. And managing them. Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, why did Leo get the gas face? Have you ever met Leo Cohen? No, I have not. Okay. I'd be afraid to, honestly. Yeah, yeah, Leo Cohen is a very interesting guy. And I can say this now because I don't work with him. And, and he... Uh, it's almost like he has this fear tactic, especially back then. I don't know if he's like that anymore. You walk in his office, hey, how you doing? Sit down. You know, the first thing he's trying to do is trying to intimidate you. I see. And it's, it, it's he's throwing slang that doesn't sound right coming out of his mouth. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, it was kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? But he's always seemed like he tried to stronghold you. And, and somehow it just didn't jive well. You gotcha. know what I'm saying? So... Yeah, he. Uh, I don't think they really meant it as a big diss to him, but you know, it's like okay, Leo. You know, I'm sure he probably yelled at them at some point. But that's funny. I guess I, I, you know, it's interesting to hear that he didn't 
have much to say about it. Nah, you know, he doesn't care. He's making money. Right. It's, it's like, ah, you're dissing the record that I get 80% of, <laughs> you know, yes. or whatever big chunk, oh, right, you know. Right. We're talking about we're the artist and I'm the producer. I'm getting the little slice of it. Leo's making, Russell's making all the money. So, yeah, diss me. Right. <laughs> I can dig it. Did you ever uh, work with them after those two songs? We did the second album, Derelicts of Dialect. Okay. And I did maybe like three or four songs on there, maybe four songs. The difference was on this album, I was like, I got these songs. Nope, we want to pick the songs. Ah. And to me, there's a clear production difference. And, and, and I mean, it, it, the songs I think are good, but they're not great. They're not as good, I should say. And I still think in my producer brain and mind, I should have chose the songs. But it, like I said, you know, when you have an artist and they kind of get a certain amount of traction and success now it's like they know everything mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying it's hard to tell them well i the success from my first record <laughs> you know so it it changed yeah well leading into the next artist i want to talk about we can talk about doom that's who we about to talk about oh but ship it so <laughs> so the last person the cameo on the gas face is by a young rapper from a group called KMD, who at that time went by Zev Love X. Next up, Don, a special appearance by KMD's Zev Love X. Zev Love X. Who we all know now as MF Doom, Victor Vaughn, just Doom. <laughs> he has a few aliases. There's a few aliases. And the Doom poster who yeah, plays yeah. as Doom. Yeah. So what are your early memories of, of him? How did you come across Zev Love X and KMD? Well, it was like this when I was in the studio recording Gas Face. It might have been Pete Nice was like, yo, yo, Paul, I want to introduce you to, uh, we're going to have him rhyme on the record. This is Doom. I'm like, oh, man, you know, nice to meet you. He's like, oh, man, you know, cool. We're going to work now on this he, record. He was referred to as Doom by people who knew him personally because his name is Daniel Dumoulay. But yeah. he didn't really go by Daniel. He went by Doom. Yeah. I have this bad thing of collecting um, I collect a lot of stuff, but when people give me their numbers, like I still have it to this day when he wrote his number down in the studio and it, it was Doom. Mm. And and he, you know, gave me his number. So, yeah, he called himself Doom then as well. And it was, I think, in the studio, might have been his brother, Subrock, mm -hmm. who had passed away. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was there, too. And the one thing that, even before I heard them rhyme, because Pete Nice really big to him. I was like, oh, man, he's so dope. He's this, he's that, da, da, da. I was like, cool. He said, they were just so nice. It's nice people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, and I'm like, well, maybe it's because they're green and they're new. And usually after a certain amount of success that people change and then you start to really get it just to who they are. But he's always, and I've told him this many times, have been consistently the same person. Mm. But getting back to that, yeah, that's the first time I've met him. And then when I heard him rhyme, I was like, wow, he's dope. He's different. And uh, like I said, I think him being a nice person, being able to talk to him and, and him wanting advice, like, what do you think? And how do you, you know, it made our relationship start a little different. Like, he looked up to me, which was very nice. It was, it was good for your ego, right? <laughs> <laughs> what did he want advice about at the time? Just music. You know, he played beats. What do you think of this beat? After we did Gas Face, obviously, and it did well, he did Gas Face Refill for his first album. So, right. Paul, I went, I did, you know, I guess be inspired by Gas Face. I did this. What do you think? Hmm. And this relationship has even gone on to present date. Like, Paul, what do you think? What do you think it is? Paul, what do you? And I was kind of flattered. Like, man, even after the success, 
people who know Doom way more than they know Prince Paul, he'll still ask me, well, what do you think? Hmm. Do you like this? Hey, I, I, I just recorded this. I'm going to send it to you. Tell me what you think. Um, so you've known him for years. You've known him since, you know, 1989 when y'all do this song. Again. Yeah. And his brother, Sarag, passes away. Yeah. And kind of leads him into this kind of dark period. And he starts to transform, reinvent himself into the MF Doom that we know today. Do you remember experiencing him going through them them tough times and what came out of that? Well, after the KMD thing happened, the downside, too, you got to remember, they had that Black Bastard record that didn't come out. The second and, album. Yeah, and that, and that was, I knew it was tough on him. Hmm. At that point, I didn't hear from him. Cause I knew his, you know, what happened to his brother, and then he just disappeared from me. Like I didn't, haven't heard anything from him. The next time I hear anything from Doom is when he releases Operation Doomsday. Hmm. So there was a big long gap from Black Bastard to Operation Doomsday, and that's when I reached out to him again and just tell him like, "Yo, I really love the, the record," and, and that's one project that he didn't say, "Paul, what do you think?" You know, because we had <laughs> lost touch. Right. And yeah, I was like, "Yo, this is he reinvented himself." It was just so I knew it was him, mm-hmm. obviously, but he was rhyming different to me. It was amazing. I was like, usually MCs get worse. Right. He re- reinvented himself and got better. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa!" Like, how did this happen? I, I don't know. It just blew my mind. It is. I rarely have ever seen that happen. What do you think of Operation Doomsday? I liked it a lot. Yeah. I travel with that. Like, yeah. I, I could still listen to it. It's, it's an e- I mean, some stuff is a little awkward, right. you know, but it's pretty easy to listen to. Yeah. It's not, you know, you don't freak out too much off of it. Just his choice of words. It's a smart record. How soon was it when you worked with him again? Like, the next time you worked with him? The next time I worked with him is I was doing this record called Politics of the Business that was to be released on Tommy Boy, but was actually released on a label called Razor and Tie because Tommy Boy had folded. And I had a little budget, and I called him up. I was like, yo, he was living in Georgia at the time, in Kennesaw, mm-hmm. Georgia. And I was like, yo, I got this song. I really want you to rhyme on it. You know, what do you think? I'm using the Peace Parge beat again. He's like, oh, dope, man. Da-da-da. Went to his house, had a little portable recorder. Man, like, he has rhymes. He, like, he's prepared. He has rhymes written out. So you went to his house in Georgia to record him? Yeah. And were Chub Rock and Wordsworth's verses on the song already? No. No, they weren't. But I gave him the idea, because originally the song was called People, Places, and Things. Oh, okay. So it was about, I was like, yo, either rhyme about those things. It could be people, places, or things, all of the above. So that's, if you listen to the rhymes, for everybody, that's the, right. the, the subject Wordsworth. Matter. Uses rappers' names all the right. time. So that's people. Chubb, his whole verse is about like streets in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, so places. That's places and it dooms this thing. Yeah. Oh, that's tight. So that that was the concept, but it later got changed to Chubb Rock, please pay Principal the $2,200 or $23 you owe him. <laughs> <laughs> Which that was a very conspicuous title. <laughs> it certainly made me perk mine. So like, what the <laughs> fuck does this mean? <laughs> yeah, it means exactly what the title is. You know, one day maybe we'll unpack the rest of that story. We'll, yeah, we'll, nah, it's, we'll... it's, it's a little too painful. I, I'll just, you know, I love Chubb Rock. I think he's a, a good person deep down inside when he wants to be. <laughs> but I got past the money. It'd be nice if you paid me back, but I, I got past it. Word. So working with Doom on this song that you you come to his house to record him. Yeah. And he's 
MF Doom now fully versus when you worked with him before and he was Zev Love X. Did you notice any difference about working with him when you were recording that song? Did it feel any different? No. And, and, and I stick to what I said before. Like, he's always been the same person to me. He's always had this great respect. And he's like, what do you think? You, you know, I record like this. Do you think that's right? Do you did it? You know, he's seeking advice. And mm-hmm. he, it's like, it's almost like, like I'm an older uncle. Right. You know, and, and that's how he, and he, I think he might even mention that before to me. You know, it's, we have that relationship. And, you know, I'm very respectful of him. Like, for anybody I work with or just anybody in general, I don't talk down to people. I don't go, well, I'm Prince Paul and you're this person. Because, you know, it's going to sound cheesy, but you learn from everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you treat me nice, I treat you nice. You know, so it's very simple as that. I don't stand on a pedestal. And so we've established that early on in our relationship, working relationship and friendship. Mm-hmm. So he's remained the same, which is so cool. Even when he was doing the whole Doom Poster thing, yeah. where he had the, the person go out and pretend he was him, mm-hmm. he told me everything he was about to do before it happened. He's like, Paul, I don't know if he wants me telling people, this is years later, it doesn't matter. He's like, I can't travel mm-hmm. because of whatever he had going on at the time, but I want to still make this money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about, and that's how the whole Doom Poster thing, you know, it's like, yo, I'm going to. I have somebody going, nobody knows who's in the mask and da-da-da. But he didn't know it would become a phenomenon where people would go to the shows trying to see if it was him or not him. Mm-hmm. It took a life of its own. That wasn't the thing. It was about getting his money. Right. Now it, it becomes like this phenomenon, is it him or not him? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was at a couple of those shows. <laughs> you and it was not him, for sure. <laughs> it was not him. Yeah, I, I, was, I was pissed off. <laughs> Because I had actually seen one of his shows when he had put out the Mad Villain. Mad Villain? No, Danger Doom album. Right. I went to a show of his in L.A. Rocked the shit out of that show. And when it came to these other shows, and it's him with four other people, um, (laughs) and the guy never moves the microphone away from his mouth and never speaks between the songs, I'm like, huh. Way to ruin my New Year's Eve, Doom. <laughs> you got the posture. <laughs> I did. But, you yeah. know, we ended up working together after that. And plus, I also think, for my money, he's the greatest MC of all time for me. Oh, he's personally. He's, so he's my dope. absolute favorite rapper that ever lived. But, but I mean, having knowing him, you, you have to meet. He's a nice guy. Well, I don't, you know, I don't really get to communicate with him much. <laughs> <laughs> but I can work with him. And that's that's all, you know. That's 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 all that counts for me right now. Thinking about Doom, I'm thinking about the transition from Zev Love X to Doom. It makes me think about the transition between Butterfly from Diggable Planets and Shabazz Palaces. Right. It just makes me think about reinvention. Right. And it made me want to ask you, like, is that a thought you've ever had, like, in your whole journey? I know, like, you have an alter ego, Doodoo Man's one, Chess Rockwell from Handsome Boy Milan School's another. But have you ever thought about, I'm just going to do this whole thing under this whole other name and never tell anybody it's me and see how far that goes? I always wanted to, but I never did that. Mm. The common denominator of all my alter egos and reinventions is of all common denominators has always been Prince Paul. Mm -hmm. But I've always wanted to, like, I can't rhyme. Mm-hmm. But maybe if I go in there, <laughs> <laughs> go, go into a hood. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. You know, I could, yeah, maybe I could. But, or if I, I could produce these trap songs, they wouldn't respect me as Prince Paul, but I could produce them under, you know, Sir Trap a lot or something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, but but I, I could never get myself around to, to, to do those things, mm. you know. 
but I've always reinvented myself in general. Like that's that's been the key, I think, partially to my longevity. And it helps people to be more open to my music and to what I do. You know, I, I don't take myself too serious, mm-hmm. which is a lot of it too. So in that sense, you don't necessarily need to distance yourself from a name because part of your name already is already inherent that you can do whatever you want anyway. I, I, I won't be say it's cocky to do whatever I want. It, I don't think people accept to do whatever I want, but it gives me the confidence mm-hmm. to go out. And it's good to know that I can go do a children's record, a comedy record, a this record, a that mm-hmm. record. And people go, just like I said, when I, I'd snap on people and do jokes and, oh, it's just Paul. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, right. just, that's just who he is. That people just go, oh, it's just Paul. It's not like, you know, where you can just go do, I don't know, speed metal or something. You right. know what I'm saying? He's like, no, no, no. Kids like, what? That's his cornball. <laughs> Paul does it. He go, that's just Paul. Just Paul. <laughs> yeah, that's what he is. I don't like it, but, you know, like, I, I'm not surprised. The third time y'all work together is for a song called Hot Guacamole. Which ends up being part of Doom's outtakes from mm, Food, which come out a little bit after the fact of the record, which is a collaboration with him and you and MC Paul Barman, Barman. Who, who we'll talk about in a minute. But I want to spend a little bit of time on this song. This song um, has a very, very like obvious sample. Right. It's not even a sample. It was, it it's was, just, oh, it's drums on the song kind of thing? or No, nah, it, was, it was just, I had uh, my man Scotty Hart, who was my engineer for years. I had him play it over. Okay. But, you know, it, it's still an interpolation of, right. or it's, you know. I didn't know. So it's replayed. Yeah, it's replayed. God, it sounds so similar. Because I'm nice. That's tight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a great engineer. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to ask you, because... Using a sample that's that or, or you know, a, a source material that's that obvious. Right. Seems like something that you maybe wouldn't do anytime. But I was wondering if working with Doom makes it a little like, like, I feel like it's part of his spirit because he chops whatever the fuck. Like, he'll rap over the Beatles. Oh, no. He, he, he'll he, do whatever. Well, let me, I'll give you the background on this. Like, I did that song. I forgot it was for some project. But I, I realized that. It was too popular. I just right. couldn't use it. So it just sat around. And when we recorded that, let me just, just a little backstory. I called Doom and I said, hey, I got this idea. I want you and Barman to rhyme on it. And he came by my house in Long Island. At this point, I moved out of the cricket basement. <laughs> and I'm in a, a better home. Yeah, he came by and me, him, Barman, we said, now record the song. And I was like, okay, cool. Come find out I couldn't use the song. Mm-hmm. So it sat around. But... Doom liked it a lot. But what was the song for originally? I, I, I okay. really don't remember. Like, I wish I could remember what it was for. It might have been for maybe a record I was doing. I, I don't know, but I, there was a purpose for it. Right. And Doom hit me up one day and was like, remember that song uh, that we did? And it was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I wasn't able to use it. Da, da, da. It's like, can I have it? Like, yeah, take it. I was mm-hmm. like, but I don't want any writing credit, nothing for it, because ah, I can't. Ah, okay. You know, because I I want no attachment to it, you know? And he, he, he's like, cool, because he's fearless. Right. Because <laughs> he he will live, he'll rap on anything. And, I, and I've read interviews where he talks about it. He's like, you, you know, I don't I don't believe that people can own a note or own music, and I can rap over whatever the fuck I want to rap over. I'm like, all right, you go ahead, dude. <laughs> The rest of us is going to be afraid. Yeah, yeah. Like, even me, I was like, nah, I'm backing up. He's like, can I take it? Like, take it. I mean, I don't want it to go to waste, you know. On that trip, I remember I gave his son a bicycle. 
because I, you know, my son had a bike. It was pretty like kind of brand new. I was like, and I think his son was around or whatever. I was like, yo, you want, you want a bicycle? He's like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. Come through with beats and bicycles yeah, and shit. Man. That's hard. I, th- I mean, that's just to go sh- to show that, you know, that we're actually friends. You know what I'm saying? You get somebody a bicycle, you know what I'm saying? Let's hear a little bit of uh, hot guacamole. I'm old school. This mic is my pro tool. I'm three apples high. I live in a toadstool like a smurf. Everyone at birth is given x-ray specs, but they underuse them to undress the opposite sex. Holy guacamole. Let's get this rap cash, because art right now is on some slap dash, rap trash, rap trash. Leave me here, save yourself. Okay, pass me a wallet. I'll send help. Now who drank the last brew? They turn off my cell again. The bill was way past due. Gosh, tell a friend, but don't let him gas you. It's all just hogwash. Now back to the castle. Where's that? Parts unknown. When I'm home, the seas throw darts at the throne. No wow, I've heard that. No wow. I love that damn that song. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> I'm surprised, man. Record that and mix it in the house. So when y'all rec- recorded it, because there's a lot of unorthodox things that happen in that song, like the way they trade off. Because it almost, it sounds half freestyle, sounds half written. There's parts where, like, it seemed like one of them's going to start and the other right. one comes in. Like, what was the process like with the, with the writing and the rhyming? Well, you know, Barman is, is super duper smart mm-hmm. and very, you know, you know how Barman is. He, like, he'll analyze words and phrases and palindromes. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's that guy. And then Doom is just brilliant to begin with. So I'm putting them two together and... I could just see Barman's eyes like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And they're trying to figure out the trade-off. So mm-hmm. a lot of that was intentional. Right. You know. Just to give the energy of, like, the both of us just kind of brainstorming at the same time. Yeah. 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 And that's and that's what came about. You know, I, I keep lyric sheets. I think I might have the lyrics to mm-hmm. that written down that Doom wrote um, somewhere in the house. Are you surprised or maybe you have a reason why y'all haven't worked together more. Y'all like have, Doom and I? Yeah, I have similar sensibilities, a friendship that has gone on for years. I wonder why more collaborations haven't come out of it. Well, let me tell you what happened was at some point, I think it was somewhere after Operation Doomsday, we sat and we had a conversation and was like, yo, let's do an album together. And I'm like, bet. And this is before uh, Danger Doom. This is before... Probably before Mad Villain as well. Before Mad Villain. And he was like, all right, cool. I'm going to try to get this deal with, what's the name of that label up in Minneapolis? Rhyme Sayers. Rhyme Sayers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been, I've been talking to Rhyme Sayers, you know, put a record together. I'm like, bet, let's put it together. But here goes Paul. That's how he messes things up. <laughs> oh, man. I got re- I'm busy. <laughs> and then you know what happens? Doom just blows up and does so right. many other things. And that Rhyme Sayers thing just probably passed by. I wonder if Rhyme Sayers even knows that we had this conversation, me and Doom. That passes by. He's doing whatever. And so now it's kind of hard for us to link together. Mm-hmm. The last time I spoke to him about working on something was about a year ago. But even that deal that I was trying to put together fell through, mm-hmm. which is typical music business. So, yeah, it was supposed to, and it's supposed to happen. And I think... I, you know, in my head, I was like, yo, it's going to be so dope. Yeah. Because just me and him, we get together and yo, just bug it's gonna out. Yo, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. But, but it just uh, it just didn't pan out. And when I heard those other records, you know, I love Madville and Danger Doom. But I was like, man, I would just do something so different. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be so ill. Like, it, it, would. it would just, what they did is great, but I think we could have just did something bizarre and yeah. funky at the same time, you know. 
Well, hopefully y'all get to connect so we can hear that one day. Yeah, that'd be great, man. It reminds me, I should, I should hit him up. I'll hit him up, see how he's doing. Well, what had happened was... And then that brings us to the third collaborator of yours I want to talk about. The other guy who's on the hot guacamole record. The guy you just referred to as brilliant. Um, <laughs> the one and only MC Paul Barman. Yeah, you know Barman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and yeah. Barman have done a bunch of songs together yeah. um, over the years. And part of me finding out about him was that first EP that you and him made. It's very stimulating. It just blew my mind. It's very stimulating. That EP blew my mind. Like, I was in college and a friend of me and Dave's, this guy who goes by the name Tony Trim, he works with our guy Hannibal Burris. We all went to college together. Trim used to make tapes. Like, Trim, he, he used to go by DJ Echoes at the time, and he was just the DJ on campus. He was that dude. Right. You know what I mean? So he had Man. all the records. He got everything, and he used to make tapes for people. He used to make little mixtapes. And um, this one day I was chilling at his crib, and he put me on to Paul Barman, and Wesley Willis. Wesley Willis. Wesley Willis. Oh, yeah, you gotta love Wesley Willis. Sub, sub, and rock on. So, da, da, da. Uh, open mic eagle. Uh, rock yo. over London, rock on Chicago. <laughs> he is a rapper. He is cool. He does comedy. <laughs> so I had this tape. You know, it's a 60 minute tape, and on one side was y'all's EP and the other side's Wesley Willis and I must have just <laughs> with a tape <laughs> yeah I must have just listened to that tape over and over again just for like a month you know what I mean like because me these are both like mind-blowing things you know how did you end up working with Paul Barman oh this is interesting I don't know in what order these podcasts will be running but you know we talked about De La Soul and demos mm -hmm. and how I don't listen to demos usually and you know I do at times but how the approach is always weird. On a lot of my albums, I put a P.O. box on there, which I've had since, man, since the 80s. I still have it, this P.O. box. One day I go in there, I see a package. I'm like, what's this? It's from uh, MC Paul Barman. And I'm looking at it, and it's a 45. And I'm like, this is different. Mm. It's, not a, it's not a cassette. It's, not, it's a 45. So it's vinyl. This costs money to press up. You don't give these out for free. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at them. So... I'm like, cool, let me just check this out. And the, on this, the song called Enter Pan Man mm -hmm. that I'm listening to, and I'm, I was like, this is clearly a white guy who sounds super white and super nerdy. Now, mind you, this is before Eminem when I got this and, you know, the, the new white rapper phenomenon. This is, you know, obviously after Beastie Boys and Third Base and Vanilla Ice and so forth and so on. This is on. like a new wave. Yeah, this is, and I'm like, and I'm listening to him, I was like, I've never heard these words before. And he's rapping off beat, kind of on beat. There's just something so amazing about this. And I played that thing over and over and over and over. And I'm like, why do I like this so much? <laughs> like, the changes in it, 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 just, it just blew my mind. And I was like, yo, I got to contact this guy. So I hit him up. I was like, yo, I got your record. I think it's so so dope. Yo, let's work together on something. And that that's very rare. So you call him. I, I mean, called him. Does he believe you? It sounded like he might have had the same moment you had and Chris Rock called you. <laughs> no, I think it all went well, from what I remember. And so I, I sent him music. I was like, okay, these are the ideas I have. I was actually working on this. I have a friend called the Pop Master. Mm -hmm. Now, I have so many questions. <laughs> I have so many questions about the Pop Master, a.k.a. 
Black Italiano. Oh, yeah, the Black Italiano. What hey. is this person? <laughs> Pop Master is probably my first friend I've ever had. Really? Maybe second. You know, I met him when I was four years old in Amityville, and he is a very interesting gentleman. He's, he's, it's not, oh man, he's just, he's, I like I, I said earlier, all my friends are entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. They have a quality, and there's always something that I could use about their quirky personality in my records. And him, the black Italiano, He's like a uh, somewhat of a bigot. <laughs> now, okay, so he's genuinely somewhat of a bigot. Yeah. Okay, because <laughs> like, this character he plays, Black Italiano, is like aggressively racist in at least two ways. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm like, I can't. <laughs> Best of both worlds. Black man's dick and Italian man's brain. And he can't even keep it together. He starts laughing while he's saying this shit. So how do you end up hanging out with a bigot? <laughs> this is who he is. Like he's one of my first friends. And, you know, you start off with toys and then you end up with bigotry. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, it's a natural progression, you know? And he's always been vulgar as a kid, you know, <laughs> MF this, do this, your mom this. And he's just always been that way. And it's just so entertaining to me. And it just started out with him recording him on Three Feet High and Rising when, hey, Delos, can Julie heads and da da da. And then everybody's thought it was hilarious. And mm-hmm. Red Alert was there. And he's like, oh my gosh, guy's so great. So then Red Alert started calling himself the Prop Master right. based on meeting the Whoa. Pop Master. <laughs> so Red Alert names himself after your bigoted homie. Yes. Wow. A, a little fun fact we that has never deep. been told before. That's crazy. That's, yeah. That actually, that legit blows my mind. Yeah. Because, because I for sure would have, if, if I had been betting, I would have thought it was the other way around. I don't even know if Red Alert remembers that. But yeah, because he was in the studio and everybody's like crying. like, yo, who is that? Who is that? And I was like, it's my boy, the Pop Master. And then the brother's like, oh, the Pop Master. Everybody's all like, <laughs> big, you know. And so, yeah. So the, uh, getting, get, I don't know how I got to the Pop Master from Paul Barman. Uh, well, because wor- Black Italian uh, yeah, I was working on a, on a Pop Master album. You I was like, working on a Pop yeah, Master Yeah, I, I was like, yo, I'm going to do a Pop Master Was record. he going to rhyme? No, nah, he was just going to talk. He going to talk shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had it all arranged. You know, he goes, Paul, and his weird ideas. And at that point, I still had a working relationship with Word Sound, who put out the first psychoanalysis record. Mm-hmm. My man, Sarath. So I was like, yo. I want to do a Pop Master record, and Pop Master was down, but then I meet Barman. I'm like, hmm. And I'm thinking, I was like, yo, I will be the first person to work with a nerdy white MC. Mm. I was like, this will be the first. It'll be the first. I'm going to be the first. And he goes, Paul always wants <laughs> to, you know. First man on the white moon. <laughs> and it wasn't just racial things, but he's dope. He is and he's dope. not using recycled words. It's new words. This is going to be so fresh. It's going to be, and I'm really excited. And I have this pop master music and I'm like, F it, man. This is more important than a pop master record. I was like, I hit Barman up. It's like, yo, let's do an EP. We'll knock it out. So these are some of the same beats you have for the Pop yeah, Master yeah. record? Okay. Practically all of them were for the Pop Master record. And there's some records, things that we had recorded that just didn't make it. For my money, Paul Barman is one of the best rap writers ever. That's what really like blew my mind about hearing him. The way he would approach the words, the syllables, and the words he would try to find a rhyme with. He would rhyme like six, seven syllables or... You know, like maybe the whole sentence would rhyme with the sentence before. And it was just stuff and approaches that I'd never really oh, heard without before. without a doubt. Just, you know, it really changed the way I wrote, you know, hearing him. So I always looked at him like, this is one of my rap gods. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's 
No joke, man. But I've come to find out that there have been a lot of people who, when they heard him, had a deeply negative reaction to hearing yeah. him. You know, and I didn't really notice at the time because I'm on campus with a tape listening to him. I'm not talking to a bunch of people about this. So I'm not sure. I'm not getting a sense of what, you know, the national reaction is or whatever. So did you hear a lot of those criticisms that people had? Like I was saying before, like my whole thing was regardless of race or whatever, even though I thought about it, I was like, oh, to me, he was just dope. And this was like, like I said, now, now we made this record and it's around Eminem coming out. And Eminem's right. like this phenomenal MC. Mm-hmm. But my thing was for him, it wasn't designed for the Keep It Real MC. Right. It was for people who appreciate lyrics. But my audience was, I was like, man, there's a whole segment of nerdy kids that don't have a voice. Mm. And he's going to be their voice. And I told him this. He got offended. Why did he get offended? Because he didn't see himself as a nerd. He, Mr. Paul Barmer didn't uh, see himself it, as well, a nerd. Well, not just the way I put it. I was like, yo, when you're going to be king of the nerds? He's like, he, he really looked at me like I, I said the, the worst thing. I call him the N-word. Uh, <laughs> the other N-word <laughs> The other nerd. N-word. Nerd. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And that, that was my thing. I was like, you're going to be their voice. You're going to be blah, blah, blah. And he didn't embrace it. Right. And so... When the record came out to answer your question, yeah, you know, people are like, oh, man, I don't know. But, but I'm like, you're just really hearing his voice, but you're not listening to the lyrical content. Right. And that's what I came to understand, too. It was people who were more uncomfortable with a white rapper that's not afraid to sound like who he is. Like, yes. He's a Jewish bookish, if you don't like the term nerdy, like, right. you know, like that kind of person. And all of that comes across in his style. He's not trying to, like, put on a black voice. Right. And, and trying to rhyme like something else. He's, he's doing him, you know. And I love that EP. And, you know, it's very, it's funny. I don't talk about this record that much, but I like this record. I like the way I recorded it. I love the way his voice sounds. I, um, it's very easy to listen to. Yeah. And that to me goes a long way. Like you could listen to it from top to bottom, even though it's a short record, but it doesn't like, you don't go, skip, you know, you could listen to it from front to back. And every time I listen to it, it's almost like I get something new out of it because he's, he's so lyrical. Like it's so, man, that record Lyrically, it's just so dope. What? He coined the phrase, what was it? Uh, but JJ. Yeah. People don't give him credit for that, you know? <laughs> and it was on my record. Thank you. There you go. You know, I feel I feel special. Yeah, he, he's dope. Very underrated. And yeah, that, that was a process, man. You know? <laughs> he has a song on here called I'm Freaking Awesome. Yeah. Now, in this song, he's rapping from the perspective of a woman. <laughs> it's a very confusing record. A woman who ends up having sex with Paul Barman. <laughs> <laughs> on the song. Do you like do you remember recording that? Do you remember having any sort of reaction to hearing like I mean this kind of approach is just had never been heard before. I didn't know how to take it. I didn't know if it was like something that was gay. I didn't know mm. if it was something that was like him playing a character. I didn't know how to take it. I just wanted to make the best song possible. Sometimes, you know, like I said, it's almost contradicting what I say. I love lyrics and I think He's dope and think whatever. But my first reaction to anything, even beyond lyrics, is how vocals fit on music and Mm. and how it makes me feel. I I think of like if I didn't know the English language and I just close my eyes, is it palatable and easy to listen to? And does the rhythms of the rhymes and the cadences follow the music? Right. To me, and that's more important. And then I'll go and listen to the lyrics 
to see how good the lyrics are. But I have to pass that first. So just the voice as instrument on this Exactly. Beat. And it has to, everything has to kind of work mm -hmm. for me. I want it to be easy to listen to. Like I said, if you didn't know English, you know what I'm saying? Imagine just some record, you know, in German. Let's say, oh, I don't know, you know that song, 99 Luft Balloons? Mm -hmm. Imagine if the melody was whack, but it had the same lyrics. You'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what they're saying, right. but you're like, uh, right. you know, you, you kind of, you know, I got to hum along with it. Right. So I think of it like that. Mm. Let me get that out the way. And then lyrically now I'm, I'm dialed in. And so I'm listening to it and I'm like, I have no idea what's going on with the content, with the content. I think I might have asked him and he explained it and, and I was still confused. <laughs> but I was like, F it. It sounds good. Now let's hear a little bit of I'm freaking awesome. It's the last days. Chucks and pussies are ashtrays and RC5s have more baggage than Samsonite. Those ancient Hamptonites. They're always like, I can't tonight. And men who are too beautiful are too dutiful with their cuticles. Plus it's like conversation with the carpet and cubicle. I was eating food when a dude pseudo-suitable said my rap talk's the backdrop from laptop to blacktop. You certainly appear to be mildly stacked up. My iconoclastic rap. Yeah, so he's a woman there that goes on to have sex. <laughs> oh man, I goes love this record. Man. It's awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. Like just man, just so perfect. The well, beats, I'm glad you like it. Thank the you. Rhymes. I mean, you know how you go through life and stuff comes across your desk and you're like, oh yeah, like this is for me. <laughs> you know what I wow. mean? It's like that, one of them that things. Means a lot, man. It's like it's... one of them things. Like some things are for everybody and some things is like, nope. This is mine. <laughs> this is yeah, mine. I feel that way about a lot of music too, man. Everything just lined up. Like I said, the amount of time that we did it, me recording out the house, I did it on ADAT. I had a um, ASR. I still use my ASR. I used a, an MPC 2000. And I think one song I did on Pro Tools. I was just starting to get into Pro Tools. And that was the one he did with Princess Superstar. Mm -hmm. And I, I put them together and he was reluctant because he was like, Okay, Paul's putting me with a white female rapper. I see. I see what he's devising, and you know, <laughs> and, he, and you know, Barman, he goes against the obvious. You know, yeah. I'm not doing that because that's just. I'm like, trust me. Right. She was all excited to be there. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting. So he just really didn't want to be seen a certain way. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I come to think about it, yeah, that's he was nervous about that. You know, he. I obviously wanted to be taken seriously, but how I saw him and how what I thought was obvious, he didn't see as obvious. That's interesting. That's really. I'm gonna have to ask him about this. Oh, please, please ask him, like, <laughs> you know, because I'm. I guess I'm wondering if, and I'll, and this is why I have to ask him because my question would be to him is like, after all these years, is that still something he's resistant to, or is it something that he's finally embraced, or you know what I mean? Because right. it's like, I don't think seeing him as nerdy takes anything away from him. Not at all. I thought know? it was empowering. Yeah. And that's why I said it's cool because there's a whole bunch of kids that like hip-hop, like whatever, and who are smart. You're them. You're the right. leader. You could right. become, you know, he's kind of, uh, I was like, oh, it's so obvious. It's almost like if we sat down in reverse time and we took that approach and, and, and I hate to overmarket things, but really took that stance, I think, and, and he's a little more re receptive, not selling out, but just receptive. I think he could have been a lot bigger than what he has mm -hmm. been. And that doesn't mean monetarily. That just means having a, a voice that people, more people would have heard. Right. You know? Right. And he, sometimes he'll, he'll talk lightly about that. Oh, man, I should have did this. I should have did that. But that's all in hindsight, right? What yeah, can you which, do? what can you do? Exactly. Were you involved with linking him up with uh, Dana Automator? Yeah. 
Yeah, because yeah. that, that, the first time I heard him was his verse on Deltron, that uh, Cleophus Randolph, the Patriarch interlude. And that's another thing I had on the tape. Right. And when that part hit me, just rewound that over and over and it's over dope, and over right? and over again. Like, it just once again, never heard anybody approach rhyming like that. Yeah. You know, with them them sorts of words. And then he was kind of doing his character thing in there, too. It was so ill. Yeah, he, he's Ill. dope, man. Like, you know, a lot of my friends, people obviously didn't know Barman. You know, he was like a kid on a college campus. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? But I was very proud of him. And I would introduce him to everybody and anybody and play the music for everybody and anybody who I knew. Because I, I thought it had to be heard. And it was something, like I said, if I like it, somebody else got to like right. it. You know, and... Man, like the lyrics, like, oh, my God, I've never heard anything. Like, even the, the cool thing about him is it's very stimulating. Like, those lyrics don't date themselves, right. like, at all. Like, you can't sit back and, like, oh, man, it sounds like a 19, whatever. It, it's, it's still it's timeless, fresh. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely timeless. Well, that was all the questions that I have about those three artists. But to wrap this one up, I just kind of wrote some random questions at the end of here. Ooh. It don't have nothing to do with nothing. You know, it's random questions. Nothing and from nothing. It's important, nothing. important to separate them because I don't want nobody to be talking about them. <laughs> these, <laughs> these are about them. Yeah, they get butt hurt. <laughs> so first question, and there's only a few here. Have you ever heard a rapper or been working with a rapper and they did something that you were like, that's too way out for me. I can't get with that. It's just too out there. Oh, have I worked with a rapper that has said anything that is just too way out? Yeah. Because you are the bug out guy, right? Like, that's a hallmark of your stuff is that there's a certain fearlessness to what you do. And I'm just wondering, has anybody ever just, like, done something you thought was so strange that you couldn't really, like, get with it? No. The only thing I couldn't get with is whack rapping. Mm. Like, uh, really? Like, or, like I said, maybe the rhyme is good, but it's going against the grain of the music or either... The melody of the rhyme is right, but the rhyme is whack. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. but never an idea. You know, I'm coming out, I'm being rebirthed and I'm coming out the vaginal canal. And I was like, <laughs> let's record it. I'm always down for anything. Yeah, and I'm coming out rapping, but feet first. Oh, preach baby. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Paul is always down for just, That's you awesome. know, for recording, whatever. But I've been definitely shut down a bunch of times. I, <laughs> this is what I wanted to do. And it's funny mentioning that. Remember, I talked about recording A Prince Among Thieves with Russell Simmons. Mm -hmm. And I said I, I wanted to uh, do a children's record or like for adults or, you know, a movie on wax. And he's like, demo it. I came up with the same idea. I was like, yo, this now mind you, this is probably very progressive for 1990. I was like, yo, I want to find an openly gay rapper and I want to make an album it's going to be so dope and da da da. And everybody's just like, whoa. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, how dope that would be. This is what I'm about. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know, and that just, everybody was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're talking about where there's like, you know, it doesn't make me gay. I just, right. I'm thinking about progression. Right. I'm thinking about, yo, this will be the first. It'll be ill. It'll make headlines. It'll make a big impact. Oh, it'll make headlines. And it gives a voice to a certain crowd who loves right. hip-hop exactly. who doesn't have a voice. And it validates hip-hop yeah. for that group, too. Yeah, yeah. But nope, nobody would touch that. So I thought that was interesting. But then later on, I uh, wind up meeting So Say the Elemental Wizard. Okay, I don't you know, know who that is. Oh, man, check, check. Uh, His first project, um, he was on the, the White Rapper show. Okay. And that's where I met him. And he has these rhymes that are hardcore openly gay rhymes. Mm. And I was like, whoa. You know, <laughs> the content, 
Oh man, uh, it's so like yikes! Everybody put what they call, especially your homeboys. They get mad and come. Yo, turn that off, man. Turn it off. <laughs> turn it off, right? But at the same time, they're like, the song is so freaking catchy. They're singing the hook, right? They, you know, and the and the hook is not some hardcore rap dude want to say. And they're like, I, I don't know, I like this, but it, it is, it's so conflicting, and I love it as a but test. That's powerful, yeah, to make something that makes people really sit and challenge themselves. Like, wait, I like this, but what's wrong with liking <laughs> it? But, you know what I mean? All of that. That's tight. Yeah, and so going back, yeah, I have definitely approached people with things like no, but. Me, I've always been cool with it. Just as long as it sounds good. Right. I don't care what you're talking about. Just as long as it sounds good. Right. Another question for you, if you can remember, who's had the most interesting recording process you've ever seen? I would have to say Slick Rick. Mm. Working with Slick Rick, like, this is when he did Behind Bars. We did a song called Behind Bars, and they let him out of jail to record this album. How long was he out for to record? Oh, I don't know, but it was one of those things like... He went from this session to this session to, you know, like might he, be di- every day he had to just be trying to bang out a bunch of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm talking about like I'm in this room and the other producer's in the other room and he's going bit, 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 bit. Back and forth doing yeah. two songs at once. So. Yeah, because they had to get it done. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting here now talking to the mic, it was him. I don't know if he had something to lean on. I don't know if he had a cup of coffee or something. And he's reading and his rhymes are effortless. Mm-hmm. He's like, blah, 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 blah. Give me another track. Mm. And everything was like on point, on point. I'm like, whoa, but no aggression, no like. And he's recording his bars like that. So he's not standing in the booth. He's, he's sitting, standing. He's sitting. Coffee in hand. Oh, what? Lyrics in the other. Like nothing. Next track. Put me in after. Because he's overlapping his okay. vocals. And I'm like, you know, you should get, yo, man, can you play it back? Can we, you know, I want to hear what I just did. He's like effortless. And I'm like, what? It's like seeing Luther Vandross sing. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, he's hitting those that seals. Like, oh, they're screaming. Their faces mushing up. <laughs> right. and, you know, Luther Vandross just like, really just. That's how, to me, Slick Rick is with rhyming. It was like nothing to him. Mm. And I'm like, this is unfair. He's just so nice. Did y'all only make that one song together? We did uh, a song called Gambling. Okay. I still have that, too. It's never been released. Ooh, we did, we did, gold. Yeah, Behind Bars got remixed by Warren G. I think mine was better. But Warren, they, they put out the Warren G version, and then we did a song called Gambling. And I still I still have that. Same session? Same session. And, uh, yeah, I never finished it. I never mixed it or anything. I guess they just didn't want to use it. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah he's, he was dope. All right, last question. Are there any new producers that inspire you? New producers that inspire. I don't even know any new producers. You know, you know who I like out of Chicago? Saba? Saba's dope. Saba's super dope. Really dope. And was it Felix? Felix. I don't know. Was it Felix. Phoenix? I can't remember. I think it might be Felix. And this is a, a rhymer or a... I, I think he rhymes and he produces. Okay. It's um some of the producers that's on No Names album. Okay. I think they're really dope. Word. Like, you know, I don't know as inspirational where it makes me want to make music, but it makes me think that I have a long way to go. Word. You know, just as far as like technique and sound. Because anytime I listen to something like, wow, how'd you do, what made you do that or how did you do that? Because... I got bored with production because I could listen to a record and go, 808, this, that, sequence, that, record this, that, that. I could break it down and really know everything. Easily, yeah. I know where it's going to move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the rhyme. Right. He said, cat, bat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I could, you know, and I, I got really good at that. 
But I'm always impressed when I listen to stuff. I don't know where the music's going. I don't know what the rhymes are. And with their production, I get that. I'm like, yo, that is so off, but that's funky. Oh, it has a lot of church in it. Oh, this is like, I would never think of this. Mm-hmm. When I feel I couldn't think of something, it, it, you know, I'm like, my brain doesn't extend that. That's how I felt about Earl Sweatshirt's lyrics, like mm-hmm. on the first, on the first uh, EP that he did. I was like, how old is this kid? Right. And he's talking about what? <laughs> and it's not Cat Rat Bat. And I'm right. like, yo, that's that's amazing. Well, that's quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> we, we've gotten a lot out of you today. No, Ooh. no tears yet, but but nah, we've gotten nah, a lot out of you. This wasn't a tearful. This wasn't. This was joyous. Session. You got to tell. Yeah. You got to tell yeah. a bunch of cool Comedians stories. And, working with a bunch of cool yeah. people. And you, and you picked the really bizarre ones too, like that's, Doom and that's Barman. What I do. And that's what I do. Third base, <laughs> man. Ooh. Well, we appreciate you um, opening up your brain and indulging us with all of this information. I'm just flattered. Well, you know, uh. there's more where that came from. <laughs> this has been another episode of What Had Happened Was. I'm Open Mike Eagle, and that's Mr. Prince Paul. Uh-huh. A ride, a ride. <laughs> all right. Catch y'all soon. Peace. Peace.